Hello, grace and peace. We're taking anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Ioan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. Mark Safe from the preaching of Art Pawlowski today. <laughs> well, good. Oh, my yeah. goodness. If you had heard him preach. Yeah. If you hear him preach, I don't know if you know this, but if you would have listened to him preach, you would have instantly got COVID and died. So it's um, it's it's a very theologically astute virus. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It, oh, f- yeah, we got a oof. We we got another pastor arrested up in Canada. I know maybe I don't know if all of you guys saw that, but that was on. Uh, uh, it was uh, all over Twitter. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, just ridiculous like that. Just arrested in the middle of the highway, a busy highway. I don't know the context of that. Of course, there might be more context of that, but it still just feels like this is excessive and wrong. And not only that, but um, and maybe you know a little more about this, but uh, uh, James White on his dividing line told us that they actually, the state actually went and rekeyed all of his doors. Is that uh, right? That, so, so that happened out in Ontario. Um, uh-huh. Not the same, not the same pastor, not the same right. province. Although, right, right, right. although, although Alberta has already done that essentially to Grace Life outside of Edmonton, uh, Pastor James Coase's church. Um, uh-huh. When when they put up the fence, they also changed the locks on, oh. on the door. Um, and and uh, then they've done that now. The couple is out in Ontario, um, and uh, um, and then they have threatened other churches here in Calgary um, with that, including Art Pawlowski's church. They, they, they sent him a letter basically saying that they, they could do this to him, but he doesn't own his, he doesn't own his own building. So they would actually be like, it, it would, they'd have to, they'd have to, they'd have to give notice to the actual building owner and all that. And I don't know, I don't know how many, I mean, Obviously, that's not an ultimate barrier. They, they, they obviously are not are not working in in the realm of of strict legal scrutiny at this point. But uh, um, but um, but yeah. So there, that's um, uh, and then and then um, one of the one of the pastors um, of a, a sister church to ours um, here in here in Calgary was also threatened with them changing the locks on his building and then they showed up in force at at his church today and um and took off when the media showed up mm-hmm. so um so mm-hmm. and i think that was part of the motivation with uh our pavlovsky too is they were they were they were trying to they didn't do it at his church because his church this ain't their first rodeo. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> may have had interactions with the Calgary Police Service many times before, and and uh, and so they all have their phones out and they're all recording <laughs> anytime, <Yep. laughs> anytime yep. anything's happening. Um, and uh, so I think one of the reasons they did that dangerous takedown on a major highway, on the on ramp to another to arguably the biggest highway in Calgary. 
um, probably the biggest highway in Calgary. Um, one of the reasons they they did that is because they were trying. I think they were trying to avoid the uh, the media coverage. Um, Oops. Yeah. So didn't quite work, huh? Yeah. So so and if and, and if anyone's not keeping up, and if we haven't said so already, this is the same. This is the same pastor who was in the viral video calling them Nazis and Gestapo for for traipsing into his church on Passover. Oh, you didn't know yeah. this was the same guy? I didn't know it was the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the same guy who was in the viral video um, wow. who was having a service on Passover and was calling them Nazis and Gestapo um, yeah. for, uh, uh, for traipsing in and... Uh, um and and so like it does seem it does seem like this is in many ways retribution for that which they showed him no one yep. will call them nazis now huh yeah right <laughs> yeah prove them wrong nazis who no, just no gestapo tactics yeah oh my gosh i mean this is just insane like i'm sorry like roman i'm sorry romans 13 shouters you have to admit if if this if the government does anything if they're like if there's any shred of like they do do good to those who do good and punish those who do harm you have to admit doing good does not include changing the locks on someone's church someone's private property like you have to say that that's that's not okay, right? Like I, I just I'm I'm just so shocked that there are still people defending the government about this. Like it is insane to me. Like I I mean I feel like you don't have to use the a word or 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 the libertarian word in order to be like this is wrong. Yeah, and it's and it's crazy to me that there are still Christians out there. They're still they still keep showing up in the replies saying like, well, you know, submit to the government. They're just there for our good. They're there for our good. They're there for our good. This is this is crazy. At what point will they acknowledge this is persecution? Well, did you see the TGC Canada article this week? I know no. that I know the guy who wrote it and we've had good interactions in the past and it was heartbreaking to see but it but the the no. title of the article was um what if we have another 50 years before real persecution in canada um and i'm like brother brother <laughs> um and and the article was a little better than the title but not by as much as I was hoping. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, the, it's, and, and uh, it's amazing to me. I was watching, I was watching last week's episode this week <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and going, oh, how naive and trusting of the state I was four days ago. It was, it was incredible um, to, uh, um, um, uh, and, and I don't, I don't know what the, uh, the breaking point is for a lot of these guys. 
for for a lot of the pastors in Canada, their their defense of of this has been well the 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 harshest restriction they put on us is the 15% building capacity. And and after all, that's built on the back of something that we've already recognized as a state authority, which is setting building capacities in the first place. Let's not go down that rabbit trail. But anyway, that's what they're saying. <laughs> um, um, quick jot down that rabbit trail. <laughs> they do they do use that in China. They do use that in countries where there's active persecution of Christians to say, oh, your building's not up to code. It's yeah. not. It it has nothing to do with the worship, of course. It's just your building yeah. is not up to code. Um, and will we and so, and will we use will we allow that excuse when they start doing the same thing with our family, our family homes? Oh, you can't have that many children. It's not up to code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, but but a lot of a lot of Canadian pastors have 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 defended the fifteen percent cap, saying that. That functionally, a it's built off a recognized power of the state, where they have, where they have um, rightful authority. Debatable. Move on. Um, but then, and then, and then it's 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 aimed specifically at enforcing social distancing, right? So 15% is a good is a good rule of thumb to two meters apart because Canada um, same crummy out of nowhere science that where, where, where did the two meters come from? No one can actually say, uh, 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 but, but just, just measured in meters instead of feet. Um, and, uh, um, uh, and so the, uh, so the, uh, so that was the defense of that. But now Ontario has said 10, not percent, 10 people. Alberta has said 15, not 15 percent, 15 people. And BC says zero, no public gatherings, including churches. So, so, so these, by the way, 22 weeks ago, the fifteen percent cap was was supposed to be for three weeks. <laughs> now supposedly, now supposedly, so is the fifteen person cap. So a bunch of churches have said, "Well, we'll go online for these three weeks." Are you kidding me? Did you were you born yesterday? Like, like, how many times do they have to move the goalposts on you? A, first of all, I didn't mean to go on this rant, but here we are. A, first of all, they moved the goalpost on you because, because they had a pandemic preparedness plan before any of this happened, and they did not follow it. There was, there was, there was no lockdowns, no stay-at-home orders, no closing churches, no closing businesses. The, it, the, they had a pandemic preparedness plan, and it's basically what we now would call like the focus protection plan. That's what Alberta had. That's what most of the provinces in Canada had. That's what most of the governments in the world had. And then someone flipped. They all flipped. <laughs> um, they all they all flipped at once for the same inexplicable reasons. 
So first wow. of all, they, they moved the goalposts on you at the very beginning. Then they said 15 days to stop the spread or two weeks to stop the spread or whatever, non three weeks, I think is what they said here in Alberta. Um, um, and, uh, and now we're, now we've blown way past that. I joked, I joked on Twitter that maybe, maybe once we get to 420 days to stop the spread, maybe libertarians, the libertarians who've stayed silent so far can at least talk about it just for the memes. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and so, um, so they moved the goalposts on you on that. Then they, mm-hmm. then they moved the goalposts on you. They said, um, we're, we're going to have to go down to 15% capacity for churches, but only for these three weeks. And then they never lifted that. They never even considered lifting it. Then they said, the, the government here in Alberta said that, um, that restrictions on churches would never be more strict than the restrictions on businesses. And, and since... And since everyone can agree we don't want to kill the economy, we thought maybe that would protect us at least a little bit. Um, but now Walmart is still at 15% and churches are at 15 people. So, so and, 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 now, and now you're believing when they say this is only going to be three weeks? Like, I mean, you were born at night, but it wasn't last night, you know? It's, it's, I, 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 Believe all things is not what that verse means. That <laughs> love believes all things is not what that verse means. Nope. It doesn't mean you have to be the most gullible person in the history right. of humanity. It right. doesn't mean you have to have a, a goldfish memory for right. uh, for all, all the garbage that's been done to you. Like, and so, and and, and so, yeah. Anyway, a bit of my frustration is is uh, um, is coming out because it like. This doesn't end until it stops being obeyed. Like, yep. Good, nice, polite Canadians have to stop obeying the orders. Yep. Yes. That's the only way it ends. Yes. Absolutely. That's, that's it's public, true. If you're a public health of, official and you've spent your whole life wanting people to care about public health, under what circumstances would you would you make them stop now? Like, like. Just, 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 just assume that these are people who genuinely care about public health, and they've spent their whole lives thinking about it, and they want, they want the public to be more aware of it, and the public is as aware of it as you could ever imagine. They are plugged in. They're watching their nightly newscasts to see what they can do the next morning. Um, they, they've, they've never been more plugged into public health. If you're a public health official, why would you ever want that to stop? Right, right. So, right. So that, that's where it like, and, and I think, so Alberta actually arrested three people yesterday, to my knowledge. Um, I mean, they arrested more than that, but, but, uh, but, you know, um, the, uh, the regular murderers, thieves, all that took a bit of a back page um, uh, to, they arrested Art Pawlowski, um on way from leaving, from having incited people to attend a public gathering. Um, they arrested his brother. Incited people the, to follow the Lord's instructions. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw someone someone rightfully pointed out that that in normal times that is called evangelization. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, in normal times, that is kind of what a pastor does. It's what we do. Freaking what we do. We call but, the people to worship. But the uh, then they, they arrested his brother, David Pavlovsky, um, on the same bogus charges. Um, and they arrested um, a... Uh, um, they arrested a diner owner um, out in near Alberta, out out in like COVID zero, been COVID zero, like out in the sticks. Know that he wants he wants to have his restaurant. Like restaurants are completely closed to any in, um, inside dining right now. You can um, you can have a patio. In Alberta, <laughs> look at a map. <laughs> you can have a patio <laughs> roughly outside the Arctic Circle, um, or <laughs> it's nicer down here, but in lots lots of parts of Alberta. Um, um, <laughs> the uh, um, so you can have a patio, or you can do takeout. Um, or um uh or delivery right take out delivery or or a patio um and the and even the patio supposedly you're supposed to be enforcing that two people from the same household cannot eat across from each other with their masks off um and no groups of more than five people regardless of what household there are the rules as i understand them at least and so um, outside, 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 where it has been windy, where, where <laughs> anyway. Um, and so, <laughs> so, so this guy goes, well, no, actually, like I put my life savings into this building. And yes, I understand that, that by the pleasure of the king, I'm allowed to use the kitchen but I would like to use the whole building if it please his majesty, her majesty as I suppose technically. Um, <laughs> um, um, and uh, uh, especially given that um, there is no COVID in this part of Alberta and it's not exactly like I'm on a major thoroughfare here. So it's not like someone's gonna drop in either. And so, you know, if it's all the same to you, I would like to use my property to make money like like I thought was the deal here. Um, yep. And uh, and so my AKA could have just as easily been marked safe from being given a burger in Mirror, Alberta. Blooming. <laughs> I don't know how far Mirror, Alberta is away from me. Oh, so, man. So, um, so this is – so. The, my point of bringing all that out is I think this helps. Like, I think this, <laughs> I, I think, um, uh, that good, nice Canadians simply, um, and even Arpovsky, um, <laughs> um, but, but, 
good, nice Canadians like the diner owner in Mir, who's he's got a very normal name, so it's hard for me to remember. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, you know, note to mothers yeah. like Art Pavlovsky, easy to remember. I can't remember this guy's name because it's too normal. Um, like it's like Joe Kent or something like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, and uh, and so uh, anyway, uh, but but he's just a normal, nice guy who wanted to. <laughs> wanted to run his restaurant also arrested um uh yesterday so um so then i think um i think that that helps people see that um that this is not on the up and up right <laughs> that, that that we're and yeah. and um and meanwhile, I, I shared a chart on my, my on my Twitter that showed cases and deaths in Alberta normalized to yeah. uh, to to the normal relationship they've had with each other. And you see the chart, and it's been it's been right along with each other. And then over the past several weeks, it's gone with cases up, deaths down. So then, why? right who what is the big emergency that justifies this let's call it what it is violent suppression from the state that's it yep it's yes it and 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 it's because I mean, at this point, it's it's because a meaningless number um, is three times higher in Alberta than it is in in the good provinces, and so for the respectability in the good provinces, mm-hmm. we we manacle our own citizens and carry them limb by limb into the backs of police cars yep meanwhile uh our good friend jeff good friend (laughs) jeff over there has a different message for them don't you oh yes come and take it (laughs) i love it (laughs) i assume that shows up fine on the stream but it's a oh yes uh, it's a pulpit with an open bible saying come yeah oh yeah for for anyone who's who's listening to the audio, which why would you? Uh, I mean, come on, you don't get to see our pretty faces and our beautiful we shirts. Have our lovely Mother's Day haircuts slash. That's right, that's right, and that's a. We're doing our best for you, unlike usually. <laughs> yeah, Mother's Day. Oh man, uh, yeah, this is some peppy Mother's Day conversation. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was, I was just, uh, telling my youth group tonight because I'd seen these videos and, you know, there's always like the hard, like, I know, especially as a, as a pastor, sometimes I've got like a, a hard line to walk of being like, I believe these things to be true. So I want to talk about them at the same time, you know, it's wise to kind of leave your politics to at least subdue your politics at least a little bit, you know, um, 
especially when they're as wild as mine are. But I, I, I would just have these videos in mind and these uh, things in mind when I, I told them tonight. We were talking about uh, our, our theme for the for my youth group for the year has been talking about salvation, and we've been taking kind of uh, a month at a time going through the various aspects of salvation. It's so like starting with election and uh, redemption, calling, and then moving into union with Christ, justification, adoption. And then this month we're ending with glorifications. And uh, it's funny because I write my, my, my lessons a long time in advance because I like to be ahead of things in case something happens and I have to, and I fall behind. And so I had already uh, written in my lesson plans. I was going to talk about how um, God's promise to his people is that they will persevere in sanctifying suffering. Like I'd already mm. written that, that, that phrase into my lesson plan of like sanctifying suffering. And, and I had all these things in mind and I said, you know, one of the things that Jesus said is we will have trouble. And, and for us, it's not, you know, in us in the United States, it is not outright persecution. Like we see for our brothers and sisters in China and in other places in the world. And I said, but it could be like, do, what, what is it that, that you think that it wouldn't happen here? Because we have some words on a piece of paper, like, you know, cause I, I've, I, you know, my people are so, conservative. So Christians. Do we, by the way. That was yeah, one of right. my little rants was, uh, Canada's have a constitution folks. <laughs> don't yeah. be, don't, don't be so naive. Like, <laughs> yeah, because we have words on a piece of paper and that's really all and like as much as my people who are conservative Christians love that document of the constitution. And honestly, as I often say, it would be a good start to start following the constitution. But as much as I, as that document would be good, it's still words on a paper. It means nothing. If they decide they want to violently suppress us and they find a good enough excuse to do it, they will do it. And it doesn't matter what words on a piece of paper say. And so I, I kind of was like, you know what, what do we think? Do we think just because some piece of paper says we have freedom of religion, if they decide to persecute us, we get persecution. And the question I asked these these poor high schoolers and some middle schoolers, I asked them like, hey, that's something you got to think about is, is this is this faith worth dying for? Is it worth being thrown in prison? Is it worth like the, the question I'm asking really when I'm asking these is, do you really believe that heaven is real? Like if you believe right. that heaven is real and that it's worth it to endure trouble, prison, even death for the sake of the name you that like that. None of those things are true. If you don't believe that heaven is real and it's better than this world. Otherwise you may as well, uh, just, you know, to use a conservative, uh, internet conservative word, you may as well just cuck out. Like, why not just write those, 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 uh, puff pieces about you know what romans 13 serve the government you know you know just just three more weeks like why not if if you don't believe heaven is real you better do that and the question is if you believe heaven is real then you have to be willing uh to suffer and uh we gotta be ready in case it happens like we gotta we gotta set. and that's a question for myself like i'm even as i'm sitting here like do i really believe it like if it comes down to it and i'm like i mean it's something I got to be thinking about and we got to be praying about them. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an easy question, <laughs> but yeah. Well, and I, 
so I mean I think that's I think that's why like so why so why when all this is going on why why bother to study revelation it's because mm-hmm. like we talked about last week the the point of an apocalyptic vision is to is to is to pull you out of of the um the mud lenses you have on and 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 give you a heavenly vision where you can see that you've been a little too friendly with the beast a little too friendly with the great prostitute um and 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 to show you the supreme majesty and the overwhelming supremacy of Jesus and how much better it would be to be with him. Yeah. And, that's, and that is, um, I don't know if you were ready to pivot to the verse, but then that's yeah. why, <laughs> so then that's why, that's why when, when all of this is going on around us, why, why, why do you, why do you take the time? Um, why do you take the time to, to, to take, to take an hour to look at two verses of scripture or last week, one verse, um, and, 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 um, uh, and, 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 and throw yourself into this thing that, that doesn't necessarily seem so related. It's because this is what puts the iron in your backbone and the ballast in your boat so that so that when when you get slammed by the the hurricanes of life the 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 the, the, the hurricanes of the beast sins to pull under um, those who belong to Jesus, you, um, you are prepared because you have seen the surpassing value of Jesus, and 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 if if you and if you aren't a Christian, and the beast is not attacking you in the same way know that um that that this apocalyptic vision shows that the the beast kids don't ultimately do better they might not receive the terror of the beast now but they will receive the terror that comes upon the beast later um and as we've talked about, <laughs> the now and the later are woven together <laughs> in mm-hmm. in the way that that we read this book. Um, yeah. So so don't don't um, don't take that to necessarily mean um, uh, by and by in the sky when you die. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, so, so anyway, that's, 
I don't know if you were ready to to make that. No, pivot, it's good. But, uh, and in fact, that, um, that's the reason for it when we do. Yeah, I might in the final product excerpt this conversation as a bonus, uh, just because I want to make sure that uh, uh, this is good stuff and I want to preserve it. But we also do have to study Revelation, I guess. <laughs> we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think so. I think we are going to, uh, transition to, uh, to the text now. Um, let me just shake things up on the, on the, uh, stream. There we go. Now let's, let's get it so that, uh, Jeff sees what we're seeing. I did. I did. Uh, I did see your lovely transition work in the video after. Yeah. The, after the, and it was. Uh, it was a sight yeah, to behold. I. You know what can I say? I. Uh, I. I, and, I. I am a genius. Nine, um, nine, epi- <laughs> nine episodes in. <laughs> well, you know, it's when Randy's doing nothing. I. I got to step yeah. up. You know. That's right. I got to step up when Randy does nothing. So, um, what we're going to do. So yeah, we're going to take a look at, uh, uh, this, uh, this, this passage that we're going to take a look at is, uh, revelation, um, uh, one, 10 and 11. Um, but we're going to start by, uh, taking a look at the larger context again as is our way, reminding ourselves what we've seen so far. So, take it from the top. Uh, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Sorry about that. Even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. And that's the prologue uh, introducing everything. And then verse four, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits, or as we said, the sevenfold spirit, because the spirit of God who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Uh, remember that uh, when the, quote, kings of the earth start telling people they're not allowed to worship the king of the kings of the earth. Just remember that. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him even so amen I am the alpha and the omega says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come the almighty and now we come to our the section that we are in now and verse nine is what we talked about uh, last week on the ep- on uh, on episode nine nine, yes nine. Yes. Uh, I, I John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, and the kingdom, and the patient endurance 
that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So this is where, just a reminder, where everything, uh, the whole vision is taking place is on the island of Patmos, um, which uh, is where John either voluntarily or forcefully was being uh, held, uh, was was exiled, so it was either a voluntary exile of fleeing from persecution, or voluntary exile because of official persecution, or uh, a non-voluntary exile where he was actually uh, taken away to Patmos. We we said how there's there is controversy and disagreement even among your your two esteemed hosts about what what was going on and when it was happening. Um, but we know that whatever the case, he is on Patmos, which is an island. Um, and I'm going to pull up that that uh, map again just because uh, it's good to look at it. Our map where you've got the seven churches, which we're about to read about, and you've got Patmos over here. Um, and so the vision took place on Patmos, though that doesn't necessarily mean it's he wrote the book on Patmos. That's something that I think we sometimes get a little bit confused about. In fact, the, the past tense there we said um, important maybe even implies that he has returned from exile by the time of his writing this or maybe not again we don't have a ton of information on this one but there's a possibility that he's returned from from exile at this point um and and we do know that there there is evidence of shaping as we talked about that this that that he has shaped the vision he had um significantly um which we'll see as we go along but the big things that we, we picked up on last week and we're going to continue to pick up on throughout this whole book is that phrase partner in the tribulation. Like he is tribulation, the patient endurance, the, the tribulation that, that, that we go through is something that he already began to go through. Um, and this is something that has been going on for a while now. It's not something that is future. It is something that is now. And that he went through it because he's a partner in it. And he is patiently enduring along with the rest of us in his exile and in his uh, walk in this world. And so even though we may see all the things going around us and, 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 and be terrified at it, we know that it is not new. The church has gone through it. It has endured and it has come out stronger. But now we come to the verses that we're looking at. For this week, verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And so this is the passage. Uh, this is where we find ourselves uh, for this week. And let me. Zoom in on that passage right there and uh, also on those two handsome gentlemen. And we're going to uh, look at this. I'm sure uh, I'll be we... impressed on Wednesday. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so. Uh, as I said, it says, Egonen, I was. So once again, this is speaking of a past tense event. I was and pneumatic in the spirit on the day on the lord's day and this is not this now this is a, a phrase that already we're going to say we got some controversy okay so this is where uh the dispensationalists 
like the people who, who taught me growing up, uh, the dispensationalists would say, see, he is transported to the last day. The Lord, it's the Lord's day. He's transported to the day of the Lord's return. So this is where the future, he's being transported into the future at this point. So this is why they're like, yeah, futurist, futurism. He's talking about the Lord's day. We know the Lord's day is when the Lord comes back to judge the people. We haven't done that yet. So this is the future. Right, Jeff? No, no. Uh, <laughs> As I'm sure everyone's shocked by, by the way that I built yeah. up to it. Yeah, I was yeah. very good at, hold, at keeping my cards close to the vest. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up my I didn't know whether we were going to go here or not, but I'm pulling up my notes <laughs> on, on this because I did a um, uh, um, so yeah, this um, um, this is not the the even the same paraphrastic construction if you uh, so right. this is not the right. same way of constructing this phrase is the the simple yeah more english way of saying that um right as you would get in the day of the lord so right um it, uh, so if you're if you're looking if you're looking with us and um um uh that even even though even though if you're looking with us at at um uh at the greek here uh the column that says na28 yeah on uh the right side of josh's screen and by the way um, that stands for nestle aland 28 is the most recent edition of the nestle aland which is the the probably uh, along with the ubs5 is what is considered the most up-to-date text critical uh greek manuscript so yeah, and they have the same. They have the same text. Yes. Outside of the textual apparatus, so yeah, if you yeah. ever you ever open a Greek New Testament, you'll see lots of squiggly lines at the bottom that that uh, uh, aren't even entirely Greek, um, and uh, and that's the textual critical apparatus. Um, yeah. And uh, and then there's there's a line over which is the 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 text that they have um, that they have said is their is their best shot at what the original text yeah. should be and by the by josh do you know the between the 27th edition and the 28th edition do you know um the vast number of changes that occurred above the line uh so we're always discovering new new manuscripts so below the line mm -hmm. is always going to change that's why there's been right. 28 editions but do you know the uh the massive change that happened above the line between the 27th and 28th no jude verse 5 i think it is um uh it it now above the line says um jesus who called them out of egypt instead of the lord who called them out of egypt <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole that's the whole and there were already there were already uh texts supporting both sides on that and if you if you were reading the esv the esv already said jesus who called them out of egypt um, yeah because <laughs> um, the esv anticipated that change um yeah so yeah. uh um uh, so, so anyway, um, yeah, it's, it hasn't been 28 editions because we're, uh, um, we're finding, we're, we're finding just vastly new 
realms of knowledge about what the what the Bible said. We're always finding new manuscripts. There will always be new editions uh, to account for the new manuscripts because scholars need to know about all of them, even if they aren't making radical changes to the text. And and uh, indeed they aren't. Um, yep. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the NA28 has no changes to the actual text. Yeah. Um, that would not be uncommon. Um, so yeah. anyway, sorry, brief, brief, uh, brief Greek nerd digression there. Um, but you'll uh, so, um, and the the possibly continuing Greek nerd digression continuing here. Um, so if you if you see the uh, the third line in the column under NA28 for the Nestle Land 28th mm -hmm. edition. Um, and by the there. way, these divisions are my divisions. If you don't like them, yeah. they are not scripture. This is just the way yeah. I divided it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, so in that third column where it says in a 28 for the Nestle on 28th edition, there's um, a, a, where Josh, Josh has helpfully divided these out for us. Um, and you see that it says in uh, Te uh, Kyriake Henera. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is all a, a prepositional phrase. Yes. Um, uh, sorry. It, I, for, for those who don't read Greek, I should slow down and say, so the, the N is, is in or on. Um, yeah. it's the word in or on in Greek. Those could be either one. Um, the right. correct, like translators have chosen on here. So that's introducing yeah. a, a, a prepositional phrase the same way if you were diagramming prepositional phrases in English class, although I, I think I think maybe people don't do that so much anymore, which makes it harder for them to learn Greek when they come to seminary. But anyway, uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, or if, or actually, um, what I found is that I learned how to I relearned how to diagram English sentences because I had to diagram them in in, in Greek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I the curriculum I had nailed that into me but just by by brute force i knew how to diagram yeah. a sentence um uh and uh and so that helped me a lot when i uh, when i was yeah. learning greek i actually i actually um i actually knew the parts of speech in english which makes it a lot easier when you're trying to learn another language um so uh, uh any of you homeschool moms take to take that to heart anyway um right. so <laughs> uh or homeschool dads um, so, uh, anyway, so this, so this introduces a prepositional phrase, right? So then everything in Greek, then everything after the N, um, uh, because Greek is what's called an inflected language where, where the, the ends of all the nouns are going to change based on the part of speech they're performing in the sentence. Um, those are, those are all different, but in, even in, um, even in a prepositional phrase, if he's trying to say, the day of the Lord, you would see, you would be able to see sort of each of those words. You'd be able to, you'd have two extra thes in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, e even in, even in Greek, even in a prepositional phrase, yeah. you would have, you would have that way of, so, so then, um, so then if you don't have the context of how that phrase has existed in other places, then you could read this on the day of the Lord, but um, but because because of because of the way that um, this phrase actually exists in those places in in 
Daniel 7 and in 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 um, uh, Amos 5 and and in these other places where the day of the Lord um, is mentioned and because when those Hebrew texts were translated into Greek they were consistently translated in the same way yes. with the same yes. construction of the phrase and then that's yeah. not what we see here Absolutely. like if John wanted us to understand that this is the day of the Lord, he would use that construction. That's not what he does mm -hmm. here. He uses yeah. a, a construction that, and that's why this translation is is correct. So, by the by, so if you don't read Greek, and you and you wonder, like, what does it say in the Greek? There it is. It says what it says in the English, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and 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 so so if you um, like uh, the vast majority of the time, it might have some quibbles here and there. But the vast yeah. majority of the time, your English Bible has, um, especially, well, I won't get into the translation debate. But but uh, um, the vast majority of the time, your English Bible has has translated it in the way that is most easily easily yeah. understood in english so this is right the lord's day it is the lord's yeah. day so then I, I'll, I'll, I'll here's you... my my pitch for learning greek uh largely consists of i would say there's sort of three benefits uh maybe four um and the first two were actually told to me by my greek teacher the first one the first benefit is this is actually one of the things that my Greek teacher told me at the beginning of the class is he said, one of the greatest benefits of learning Greek is growing in confidence in the English Bibles that we have. Yes. Like, he said, this is one of the greatest advantages. To, once you learn Greek, uh, you grow in confidence um, about a little bit higher. Sorry, my, my wife just I walked in to help me. With my lighting, <laughs> maybe a little <laughs> bit higher. So I was feeling a little washed out. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Um, uh, that's, that was my love and the, the reason for my, for my, uh, joy right there. Um, besides Jesus. Um, but, but anyway, like that, that, that is one of the great advantages to learning Greek is, uh, contrary to what you might think is actually you grow to, um, appreciate and, um, and, and trust the English text because even though, even though there may be some texts and, and honestly, sometimes there are some English texts that I'm like, ah, I'm not as much of a fan of that one. I'm not much a fan of that. Um, you'll notice that I use ESV uh, in my own uh, work. I, I really like the ESV. I also like the NASB. Um, I have some quibbles with the CSB, but I kind of like that as well. Um, yeah. Uh, there's some translations that I'm not as keen on. Like I know the well-loved or at least it used to be well-loved NIV. I'm not as big of a fan of for various reasons. Um, but, but still, even with those ones that I don't really like my reasons for not liking them are not going to make a huge difference in your everyday faith. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, well, and yeah. Learning Greek made me appreciate the decisions that the, NIV translators made a lot more than before I learned Greek. And, and especially the, the translation that really 
grew by leaps and bounds in my estimation was a new living translation which yes I yes yes i'm so shocked by that <laughs> nlt is is an, is, is is like so, so for those who aren't in the know, NLT was not written to be a literal translation. It was meant to be somewhat paraphrastic, so so much of a paraphrase, somewhat of a paraphrase. It's supposed to be readable, and yet, ironically, because they weren't um, beholding to the tradition of more accurate translations, and they were trying to be a paraphrase, they end up translating some phrases better than any Bible out there. Like particularly, go look at John three sixteen for the NLT. Which John oh, yeah. three sixteen is unfortunately so well known that we can't retranslate it. There's actually a problem with translations that it's so yeah. well known that they know that people will be like, "What? This isn't John three sixteen if you changed it." Yeah, and so ESV doesn't do the best word for word translation because right. It's too but the wrong. NLT does because they <laughs> yeah. pick up on the fact that because of the 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 Greek language this is not the whosoever word that ever that people get all uptight about isn't actually there. And in fact, right. thus the word the word uh, for God so loved the world, which often sends a mix misunderstanding, like that this is a word saying how great God's love is. Now, be, to be clear, that verse shows how great God's love is, but that's not what that word's supposed to be saying. It's saying for God loved the world thus, and, in this manner, and in yeah. a crazy in a, in crazy thing is NLT is the only translation. Well. Well, maybe not the only, but one of the only major translations that nails that translation saying for God loved the world in this way that he sent his only son so that the one believing is actually what the Greek says. And they actually say the person who believes. So honestly, the NLT, that's that's one that's like like you. NLT grew in leaps and bounds in my estimation because of that. So that's just the first like. Sorry, go on. Yeah, Carr says that verse. That's it's not the bigness of the world that shows God's love. It's the badness of the world that yes. shows God's love. And yes. he shows that he shows that from John at large, but then zooming in on 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 three sixteen. Yeah, it, it's yeah not the bigness. The, John John basically doesn't use the word world to talk about the bigness anyway. He uses it to yeah. talk about the badness. Um, yeah. More yeah. often than not, there are places yeah. where he uses it to talk about the biz- bigness too. But, but anyway, but I'll say I'll say there's there's two, three there's three other reasons two, two maybe three other reasons. So the one is you grow in s in in uh, appreciation of the English texts. Um, contrary to what many believe you're going to do. Once you really know Greek, you're going to grow to appreciate the text that we have the 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 English translations that we have. Yeah. The yeah, second thing you clear once once you actually know it, not once you've learned how to read a lexicon. Right. <laughs> Once you learn how right. to read a lexicon, you're probably you know, think honestly. Less of a, I've often thought. I've, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've often desired to, uh, to to teach Greek, and one of the things that I've I've often thought is if I teach Greek the first day of class, I want to have everyone raise their hand and say, "I hereby swear that I will not use the Greek in any of my preaching or teaching until I'm done with this class as a whole." Because there's that problem that there's so many people who have just enough Greek to be dangerous. So, yes, that is a problem. The second reason for, for that I think is really useful for studying Greek, and this is the, the part that I think is the best selling point. Well, this is the third reason. The second reason is so I love it so much is that it slows you down. Just the very act of reading it in another language that you don't know as well is going to slow you down to make you notice things. Like it is so easy for us to zoom past 
phrases in the Bible that are so important that you're not going to notice unless you find a way to slow down. And to be fair, Greek is not the only way to slow yourself down. Another way you can do this is by memorization, which is another thing that I really love is, is scripture memorization. It slows you down and makes you have to chew over phrases and words in a way that just reading straight through quick won't uh, won't do. Of course, there's always the danger that if you if you get too bogged down, you can miss the forest for the trees. But so you you want to be able to do both. You want to read big and you want to read small. Um, but, but that's the second reason why I think Greek is so good is it slows you down. The third reason why I think you would really, what Greek is so helpful. And that's what I'm trying to bring out with this phrasing right here is there's certain flavorings to the Greek that you're not going to get in the English because it's, it's literally impossible to, to bring over. And, it, and it's not because a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people who don't read Greek think that, that Greek is just this hyper-specific language where you get lots of specificity in Greek right. that you can't get in English. And, and because it's an inflected language and because you can do emphasis by word order, there's some of that, not nearly as much as you think there is if you yeah, don't right, Greek. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, Greek is specific about different things than English yeah. is. So, so there yeah. are there, especially in John, <laughs> there are places where we cannot figure out, um, we cannot, we cannot figure out the, how to translate him at all, because there are two English words that have nothing to do with each other in English, and he could mean either of them, and he might mean yeah. both of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and, um. And um, um, and so in that sense, English is is being more specific than Greek. Um, yeah. But but yeah, you're right. It's 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 so it's not specificity per se, yeah. but it but it's 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 flavor and yeah and, and the things that that and really that it wants to emphasize and it wants to draw attention to. And really, the what what I even it's it's not so much the words like that's the thing is like when people think of Greek and this is how you know someone doesn't really know Greek if they get really obsessed with the word so this word could mean this or it could mean that and I'm like what that tells me is you don't really know Greek you've taken a few weeks maybe you got yourself a Logos Bible software and you're able to use that to look up a lexicon but but really like. I, I kind of say a lot of times we will overdo um, uh, this, like you say, that, that this obsession with Greek words. Like I often like one of the examples I used once was like, um, so let's say uh, the English language dies out and they find a text of your elder, your local church's elder meeting. And it says pastor so-and-so was gone. And so elder so-and-so ran the meeting. Well, we know that the English word for run means to go fast. And so that means he made the meeting go fast. And so the fact that there was a two hour meeting here means that normally elder meetings in this culture would go far longer than two hours because the word run means to go fast. 
But of course, we know that's not true. That's like it's irrelevant. That's that's irrelevant to this to the because there's an idiomatic use of that word to mean run, to mean to cause it to go or to cause it to function, to to um, in this case, just to head the meeting, to to be the leader or the chairman of the meeting. That's what it means that, to run the meeting. And so that's the case a lot of times with these with Greek words is that we go obsessed if someone obsesses over like, well, it could mean this, but another meaning is this. And so he's and we look at this rich tapestry of this word. No, the word meant something. He used this word. He wasn't like we like are we picturing these guys as like poets sitting around like. Oh, no, if I put this word, no, but what if I use this word? It can evoke this. And maybe sometimes that's appropriate. Maybe sometimes we're, we're looking, if we're looking at a poetic text, we can say, okay, maybe well, the word can be evocative, evocative here. Sorry. Sorry, go on. Especially if, especially if the word they picked is a word that occurs elsewhere in scripture. Yeah. The, the, then, then they very likely might be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But but nine times out of ten, they're just doing what we do, which is they're just they're they're trying to communicate a concept, and they picked a word, whatever word came to their mind, that right. completed this concept. And some in some days I'm going to use one word, and some days I'm going to use another word. Maybe some days I've heard this word recently, and I thought, ooh, it's a good word. I want to try and use it more, and so they're going to use that word. Like th- these, the spirit of God used people using normal communication to communicate right. the Bible. Now, of course, we, we don't want to go too far in that road. We're not like, they're, it's not like they're dictating or they're like standing around. Like they, they are, paper was expensive and so they didn't waste words. But right. but it's it's not as uh, esoteric as we think it is. What, what really is interesting about the Greek and that we're really what you want to look at the Greek is there are verbal phrasings that and this is really where it's not about words so much as phrasings that um, it's hard to communicate the parallel verbiage going on as as easily in English because we have conventions like a great way to to see the way this works out is if you read like an online version of the NET Bible, the, the New English translation, which has mm. I, I'm not as. Not, I guess I'm not a hundred percent fan of their translation, but I love their footnotes. Their footnotes are so yep. phenomenal. You can see into the mind of a translation committee when you read their footnotes, and sometimes they'll say, "This is actually one sentence," but English convention dictates that we end a sentence and start a new sentence here. And so there's things where, like, in order to make it not be a confusing uh, blob of verbs, you're missing some. Or of words, there's missing some uh, English or some uh, sen- sentence and phrasing things, and that's what I mean here, by flavor. I've got, I've got one of the easiest examples that 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 people should know. When so, and th- th- it, this isn't the fault of any translator. It's just almost impossible to to get this without overdoing it in English. Where um, in the the Great Commission, Matthew twenty eight. 1920. Um, it's a great example. Uh, when when Jesus Jesus commands his disciples, um, uh, and and the way the way it is appropriately rendered in English is, go and make disciples of every nation. Yes. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And lo- yes. and, and and 
truly I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so, um, and, uh, and so, unfortunately, many of us have probably been subjected to a whole sermon on go. The command here is go, we have to go, and we're treating it like the command is go. The command in that verse is make disciples. Yes. <laughs> it, it, or dis, go it, it, to that that you should be discipling, that you should be <laughs> discipling as a verb. <laughs> yes. Um, and, um, and, um, and go baptizing, teaching are all supporting yes the command yeah make this um and and so but then it's probably overdoing it to say as you are going make disciples yeah because that makes it sound like if you get around to it <laughs> yeah and 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 yeah and that would be that would be the wrong idea because in the same way as it's not um it's not um if you get around to yeah, teaching yeah. them all I've commanded, that no, 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 this is definitional of, of yes. this is supporting that main verb. It's definitional yeah. of what making a disciple is, that you're teaching them all I've commanded, that you're baptizing yes. them in the Holy Spirit, you're teaching them all I've commanded. Yeah. Right? And, that, and that Go has a similar relationship to that main verb yeah. in that way. And this is one of those things that just, just and, like... And yet, and this is what makes the translation so tricky, and yet by its positioning... Yes. It does take on a stronger connotation. That's so like right. if I were, so for instance, because I've read this in Greek, what I would do if I were preaching this verse, like if we were doing a topical series on the call of the church, or if I were getting to the end of Matthew and I wanted to really emphasize the, the, the great commission before we ended the series, I would make my main point, make disciples. Cause that's the main verb. And so that would be the main point is we are people who make disciples. So how do we make disciples? And the first thing I would say is by baptizing, which I'm going to, I would expand to be include evangelizing. So this is saying baptize them, which that's a conclusion of converting them and, and bringing them to the gospel. So you bring the gospel to them. You, 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 you baptize them or you, you evangelize them, you bring them to faith and then you, by letting the spirit do the work and then you baptize them and you bring them into the community of believers. That's all connected there. And then the next thing, the second thing you do, second sub point is we make disciples by after evangelizing them and bringing them to church, we then teach them all that Christ has commanded us to observe all the things that he has commanded us to observe. So, all of, so we so we go about then educating, making disciples. Disciples are a learner. That's where that word comes from. Is from learning, um, and so that you can't separate discipling from learning. And yet we also we got. I would also bring in the emphasis, but yet we also learn from our way of life. So it's about modeling. It's not just about te teaching verbal commands. It's also about modeling them and 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 doing this all in the process in the con in the context of a worshiping and praying community, and then my third point would be because that first point the I, the first ing is placed emphatically I would end with by going by going and doing it so I would I would leave that as my final to say 
How do we make disciples? By actually getting out and doing it. Go do it. And maybe God is calling you to make disciples in a faraway land where Jesus' name is not named. And maybe he's calling you to do it at your work, at your in your family, he's definitely calling you to do it in your family. And, you know, like, like I would say by going, go, go do it. And so, yeah, it, there, there is a sense in which you can underplay that. But this is what I'm saying is by what Greek, I, when we are, man, this is a rabbit trail, but I think it's a great one. Yeah. Gr- what Greek is going to help you to do if you learn Greek is you're going to get these flavorings. And that's, what, that's really all we're describing. It's not like if you read that in English, you're missing something. Like it says, go and make disciples. You got that. That is the emphasis. And then baptizing and teaching is, 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 is kind of sub points. You got that. And you also get the, you, you can get the English that's all under the heading of Christ's Lordship and, and his power and presence. You're going to get that all. But, but this is a flavor that's going to add to the experience of the verse. Um, if you know the Greek and then the third, the fourth reason is kind of a sub reason. This is really, it's going to sound like it contradicts the first reason, <laughs> but I promise you it doesn't is that where there is a place where we need to correct, we can. And that is my roundabout way of coming back to this verse in te Kyriake Hemera on the Lord's day, the day of the Lord, as some people will say it and some, some, uh, and this is where some of the futurist dispensationalists are going to say, this is a transportation in the spirit into the last day, the day of the Lord. But that Greek phrase is not, as, as Jeff has been saying, is not the Greek phrase for the day of the Lord. If, if it was talking about the day of the Lord, the phrase that we see that translated in, in Hebrew, it is, uh, the, it is very, the he, sorry, from Hebrew to Greek, it is a very literal translation from Hebrew to Greek here. It would be entehemera to kuriu. Whereas you see here, entekiriake hemera. In the, it would be in the day, tehemera, to, which that word to is, is, I guess you could say loosely is the word for the, although it doesn't exactly work that way, but for for the purpose of simple of a simple Greek lesson, that word is the. It's the the. So te kuriu or te hermera, the day, to kuriu, of the Lord. That is the way that the New Testament speaks of this the day of the Lord. That word kuri, kuriaku, it appears only twice in uh in the New Testament. The other place is in talking about the Lord's Supper. And and that word kuriake kiriak, uh is the it, it, we could we it's it's saying something it's be, something belonging to the master or we could even say like a royal thing. Like this is the royal supper, the Lord's Supper. When we come forward and we remember Christ's death and resurrection in the form of bread and wine. We are taking part in the Royal supper, the supper of our Lord that the Lord's supper. And this is the same sense where we see this is, this is the same word that we see here in the Lord's day. And so if it, if it doesn't, if it's not talking about some future event, what is it talking about? Well, 
It's probably talking about today, Sunday, the day where we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the, what some people call the Christian Sabbath, the fact that the, the, where the day that the, the church moved its day of worship from Sabbath day of seventh day into the, into the eighth day really of Sunday, because that was the day on which Jesus rose from the dead and began the new work, which is that's, that's where that phrase, the eighth day comes from is the first church, the same church that used this phrase, take Kuriaku, take Kuriake, Himera, they use that commonly in the first church to describe Sunday, the day where they worship. And this was a common phrasing of this idea of the eighth day, because um, this after the seven days of creation, the Lord rested until Jesus rose again and he began a new work. And so this is the Lord's day. He is worshiping. John is worshiping Jesus on the day that the church gathered to worship. And in the process of that, the spirit does something remarkable. And a couple other quick supports for, and I'm glad we, I'm glad we did because really in order to make this argument, we kind of did need to get nerdy on this, but a couple other quicker and simpler supports for, for why this means the Lord's day as in Sunday Mm-hmm. Um, and not and and uh, and not the 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 day of the Lord the the last day, um, judgment day, if you will. Um, that uh, so so first of all, and I think I think probably the the best is um, that when you see the word Friday in the New Testament. Unless I'm forgetting one, that is that is translated from the literal Greek words preparation day. Mm-hmm. So that so that so that um, the uh, because um, because for the Jews universally Jews writing the New Testament, um, uh, Friday has for so long been the day of preparation for the Sabbath. And that had real meaning. Like you had to prepare to mm-hmm. not work so that you mm-hmm. wouldn't have to light a fire and um, yeah. you wouldn't have to write anything and take too long of a journey and, and, and uh, gather your meals and so forth. Right. So you have to prepare so that you're ready to not work on the Sabbath. So it was mm-hmm. called preparation day. Um, and, and that was just the word for Friday. Like, there were other words for Friday, but Jews in the first century just didn't use them, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's like this was this was preparation day. Just kind of is the word for Friday. So I think right. I think John is intentionally framing this the same way that the Lord's Day um, is now his word for Sunday, yeah. and one of the evidences of that is that that tradition took <laughs> and in greek today the way you say sunday is lord's day <laughs> um mm-hmm. uh and um and then the slightly more speculative 
but quite interesting for our purposes, is that um, there, um, there's plenty of evidence. So this is, this is well substantiated, but what's maybe more speculative is, is whether this parallel was intended by John. Um, the, the emperors would declare emperor's days. Now, they weren't every week, which is where the parallel starts to break down. Um, depending on the emperor, they could be once a year, once a quarter, once a month. Um, but um, it's it's possible that it's possible that um, he's sort of intentionally he's intentionally marking this out as not the mm -hmm. emperor's day, but the Lord's mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so that that I think has whether and whether he's whether he's intentionally marking it out over against Emperor's Day or not, he's he's most definitely identifying this as uh, Sunday, as yeah. uh, the 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 common day that it was already adopted as the common day for worship right. by the Christians by this time. That that Sunday belongs to Jesus. Yeah. So Sunday belongs to Jesus. The Church of Jesus Christ belongs to Jesus. So go for it. Church belongs to Jesus. Sunday belongs to Jesus. Any human emperor, king, governor, or premier who claims title. To this day, or um, or this church is an antichrist. Boom has explicitly set himself up at himself, herself, itself as an antichrist. They are they are claiming title to something that belongs to Jesus and Him alone. Yeah. If I if this mic weren't so expensive, I'd drop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. That's so. Mm, that's exactly right. And this is so important. This is so true. And this is why. This is why. No matter what, the state says, we cannot just take a break. This is what we do. This is the Lord's day. It is Jesus's day. And, but, but this is also, I would say this is not just for the state. This is also for believers because so we live in such a, uh, we get so laissez faire about this, even as Christians where we're like, uh, you know, well, you know, well, I mean, my kids got are on a traveling team, so we got to be gone for basketball or soccer or football, what baseball, whatever. Like, no, this is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. Now I'm not saying like you never travel like on a Sunday. You, I mean, I will say that every chance you, if you can, you should be with your local church on a Sunday morning. This is, this has been the habit of the church since the beginning, even when they were having their heads cut off and they were being thrown into the lions and burned in the, the emperor's palaces. We got together with our church on the Lord's day. And, and like, and I know this is going to get into some of those new covenant theology versus covenant theology, which I would say to the new covenant theology people, stopping new covenant theology people. But, but I, 
I know this gets into the argument of do do we have to follow the Sabbath command uh, for the Lord's Day? And I know there's some. It's trickier than most people, especially in the Reformed tradition, like to admit the whole Lord's Day Sabbath. Christian Sabbath sort of thing and we do sometimes go too far I think because we're, we 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 I think we trip on that theonomy line and we start applying civil law to moral law and I think that happens a lot on the Sabbath commands but the clear teaching the clear teaching of scripture is that the Lord is at least owed one full day and this is clearly the way the church took this command is to say we do that on the Lord's day, the day where Christ rose from the dead, where he began the new work of the spirit among his people through the gospel, we get together, we give him this day. And I would say, we, how can we do any less? How can we do any less than not give him this day? The other, like, yes. Okay. So to your point, yes, every day should be the Lord's right, but not in this significant way. We need to give him this day. And so this is especially a thing that I'm trying to get ahead of with young families because it's like at some point it almost becomes too hard. And I actually, I tweeted this morning uh, right before church. Uh, and I I had a, um, let's see if I can pull it up real quick. Um But I'll say while you're pulling that up, then, if nothing else, you should try to be in a habit of. Uh, oh, go go ahead, go ahead. So go ahead. All now. right. It is a choice to allow your family and life to become too busy for church. It is also a choice to make it a priority. Choose wisely, and I think. In, in a day where that's that option is being taken away from us, um, or at least they're trying to, it is especially um, important that we hold fast to it. But also, I think because it's a command of God, we meet on the Lord's day. That's what we do. And I think we cannot give that up. I just, I think we cannot give that up because it's a command of God. Oops, wrong Oh, what's going on here? Uh, because the command of God and because it is wise to do so. And for our good. And for and, good. And if, 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 if nothing else, one reason you should make it a priority in, instead of um, in the letting it get choked out by their concerns is that if you're not careful, you could end up having a nation of people who've spent Sunday taking their kids to the hockey rink who can't stand up when... So if, if, if taking the kids down to the rink was important enough to miss church, then what about a virus? Seems like a good reason then. Yep. And yep. and and so whether you know it or not, you're always training for something. You're yes. either yes. you're training for complacency and failure 
or or you're trading for boldness and success. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think along with that, like and and this is because like I said, I, a lot of times I'm trying to teach this thing to young families because I'm trying to get ahead of it because life's going to come at you fast. And you're going to see lots of opportunities to to uh, or lots of temptations to compromise. We've even had it. The soccer league, and I love soccer. I want my boys to be involved in soccer. The soccer league meets on Sunday. And so that was a temptation for my family to be like, well, I mean, it's only for like two months, three months out of the year. And we both had to look at each other. And, and actually, we did it one year, and then the next year we both looked at each other and we said, we made a, we made a commitment. And, and we can't. We, we we made a commitment to give this day to the Lord, the day that he's owed, the day that he is commanded. And so that he bought at a price for mm -hmm. his people, for our good. Yes. And I, I think and we had to just say, we'll find another way. We'll find another way to make soccer part of our lives. We'll 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 find a way or maybe we don't. Maybe this is the Lord saying this isn't that important. Um. And so we just, I think, I think it's, if we can't make, like you say, if we can't make small sacrifices to be in the presence of the people of God, then what happens when big things happen and big temptations? And, and one, one practice that my family has, has gotten into the habit of is we are, we are in church on Sunday morning. Even if we are traveling, we will be in some church. I, I, if I know we're going to be gone on a Sunday, um, which, which, you know, we, I, I'm given a few Sunday, uh, day days off that I'm encouraged to take, um, in by my church. If I know we're going to be gone on Sunday, we will find a church to be in and I will do some research to make sure it's a, a solid church. It's, it's a gospel Christ, solid doctrine, sound doctrine, preaching church. And I make sure that we're we're there on a Sunday morning. And if nothing else, that sends the message to my children that when we say that Christ is the center of our life and is worth centering our life around, we mean it. And if nothing else, I communicate that when I when I make sure that my family is in a church on a Sunday morning. I am saying yes, we do believe that Jesus matters. And so, um, yeah. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> Let's back to Revelation. <laughs> so it's it's crazy. We're maybe we're not even going to get past a small phrase of Revelation, but I think we we'll keep going. Uh, but but he says I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and that is something that like futurist and idealist and preterist and historicist alike can agree. We we kind of have an idea of what it means. This is clearly some kind of what 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 we could would consider a prophetic ecstatic to some extreme extent uh, experience that he is in the middle of worshiping God and maybe he was worshiping God. We don't have any context. Like was he, was it on the Lord's day and he was worshiping? Was he, it, so was he in church and all of a sudden the Lord gives him this vision in the middle of his worship? Was he just after church out worshiping God and his privately in his house? Or was he um, just out and about maybe eating lunch on the Lord's day? But on the Lord's day, the spirit gives him a vision. And, and the first thing that he sees, the, or really before anything, he hears something. It says, I heard 
behind me, a loud voice like a trumpet, a great voice as a trumpet. And this is, this is the, uh, is it's really like, uh, like, uh, this, uh, th- it could be like, um, I know I said we shouldn't obsess over words, but this word trumpet is, is kind of a war horn. So it's a massive horn. I don't, I don't, don't go over, don't overdo that. This isn't a call to war or anything like that necessarily. I mean, we'll see along the way if it is, but, uh, but it's saying this is a massive horn, a loud voice. It's a, it's a loud voice like a trumpet. And that comparison to a trumpet of, of the voice is going to come up again later uh, in, in the same book. It shows up again at the beginning of chapter four, um, which, which, which I think communicates to me that it's moving to a next phase of the vision. But also this is a, a first of what we see. Of, of a theme that's going to come up and it's important to note the theme because it's going to become important in a later chapter of I heard and then I saw. This is an important theme that we're going to see a repetition that we see throughout the book. I heard, then I saw. And so he hears something and that's what he hears is significant, but what he sees oftentimes is a little bit of a, I guess you could say something of a surprise, like uh, uh, not to get too far ahead of us, but one of the things he hears is I heard a lion, a Ju- the lion of Judah, the what the, uh, the 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 great roaring lion, and then I saw a lamb right. who looked as if he had been slain, and so there's a lot of times there's a what he hears and what he sees. It's not exactly what he expects. And again, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to prepare you because this is a big passage later on that especially a lot of dispensational futurists, I think, get wrong because they miss this pattern of I heard that I saw and what I hear and what I see. Like what I see isn't what I expected to see when I heard. Like, do you, do you see that pattern here too? Yes. Yes, I yeah. agree. Okay. It's especially, it becomes more clear later <laughs> yeah this yeah so i think it is i think it is i think this it, that is happening here but we can see it's happening here because we see really clear ones. i mean the most clear is the one you mentioned is i heard yeah. a voice like lion and i turned and saw and i saw a lamb yeah. as if it had been that's, yeah that's um and i think it, and that yeah. that that washes over us because because we know <laughs> because if like if you've been in church and you've you you've and you've heard these sermons and you and then then you know you know the significance of that and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't smack you between the eyes like it should <laughs> yeah 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 um but uh but yeah it's yeah. uh um like no spoilers like if you've if um, if you've been spoiled on the movie Signs, for instance, it just can't surprise you the same way. <laughs> just kidding, I've seen it. <laughs> um, it just can't surprise you the same way um, as it did the first time. And, and yeah. so, yeah, these things, there are a series of these and they're supposed to surprise you this way. And this yeah. is not one of the, not one of the most obvious ones, but because we see that pattern elsewhere, then yeah, I agree. It's here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but that's but that that's an important thing. To, so I hear a voice like a loud trumpet, and what does it say? It says. Well, and and, and sorry, we should just make the point that trumpet, oh. like we don't have to get into all the all the cross references and everything, but it's it's all over the Bible. And oh yes, and yes, yes. I'm gonna say on balance, what does it mean? It means authority. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah, a loud and authoritative voice. So, yes. so he could, if, if he just wanted to indicate that it's loud, he could say it's like a a thund- thunderstorm or like, and he will mm-hmm. later. But, um, and yeah. and uh, like many roaring waters, or he, you know, there are lots of things he could do. Um, yeah. Um, or like a roaring lion, or yes, they, yes, 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 yes. You could go with, and he does. Yeah. To describe how it's loud. In this case, yeah. he uses one that evokes authority. This is one with the yeah. authority to tell him to write. Yeah. And and I feel like uh, we, also before we move on, we should also import like a. Uh, and of course, the first time we hear this great loud voice is on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, where we where God appears not in any visual sign but as a loud voice. And so, like you said, this is the, the voice of authority. And this is also God's way. God is a speaker, not a visual God. This has been an important theme of God. Um, God's invisibility is the is, is such an important part of the Old Testament. This is why the second commandment, uh, why God didn't think it was redundant to add a second commandment after the first commandment. Like sometimes we read that second commandment is as if it was just a redundant restatement of the first commandment that you shall not have any other gods before me. No, seriously, don't have any other gods before me. Um, but it's the important key in the second commandment is you shall not make an image. You're not going to make it for me or for anyone else because I didn't reveal myself as an image. Um, and, and that's that's an important thing theme uh in, in the bible but also like you say like this loud voice does indicate power and uh actually i'm pulling up a, a my, my reformation study bible note said and also the universal relevance of the message that it's a mm-hmm. loud voice so it's meant to go out a loud voice yeah. uh is goes forth um but also i was going to say i think also the end the spirit it to seven churches right yes we talked about yes, how yes, seven yes. Speaking as right. to all, um, right? Okay. Well, we'll come back to that. But uh, in the spirit uh, is, of course, we we don't want to go uh, bulldoze too far past that. I, I made the comment, and I think it's important that we 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 stick it. Um, is that this is uh, especially in the book of Ezekiel, you see that concept of the spirit. As, uh, if you read the book of Ezekiel, which Ezekiel is one of one of the important background books to this book, um, obviously. Daniel is most important. Zechariah, to an extent, Isaiah is is an important prophetic book in general, but Ezekiel is an important prophetic book that stands behind this. You see a lot of images from Ezekiel come back in this, in some ways because I think Ezekiel is an important book for Daniel, and so Ezekiel goes to Daniel, goes to Revelation, and especially in the book of Ezekiel, we find that repetition of "I was in the spirit." Uh, the spirit took me to this place. The spirit led me. The spirit took me out. Is this the this the spiritual the spirit of God coming upon Ezekiel and giving him a vision and a message to send forth? And that's what we see here. So so John is is saying this is a prophetic work. 
Um, this is a work that the Spirit inspired and brought about. It happened on the Lord's Day, and I heard a loud voice. And it, what does it say? What you see, write in a book. Write this down. Write it down. Write down what you see in a book. So the Spirit says, um, "We we well, okay." So we know that there were spiritual and prophetic um, things that were at, more common in the first church. Now we can get into arguments about that, about charismatic cessationism, partial cessationism, you know, all sorts of things, um, debates on that. But it, it's true. It's clear that this was a more common thing, whether you believe those gifts continue, it was a more common and a more intense, uh, reality at the time of the first church. And yet this particular, this vision, maybe John had visions from the spirit and he told them to his local church or he told them to his friends. But this one, he says, this one, you write it in a book, you write it down and you send it to the seven churches. And as you've already brought up that word seven is important. Why is that word seven important? Yeah. So as we've discussed in uh, previous episodes that, um, that, uh, Seven is the fullness of something. So that yeah. uh, so send it to the seven churches. Um, and, and he's gonna list seven specific churches. Um, and and I think I think that's because historically these are the seven specific churches he's been to. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they stand in they stand in for the fullness of the church. Capital C church. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seven, seven is such a, is, is the word, I mean, seven days, seven days of creation, seven days of the week, seven, um, seven is the number of completion, uh, seven and 10 both can kind of stand as a number of completion. 10 is working for 10 fingers. And so 10 is the number of completion in the, in, in, in the book of revelation and elsewhere seven's a book of complete a number of completion three is an important word you know trinity is the divine number um but we see already the number seven has come up a few times in this so what is it he's writing to the seven churches in asia well of course the seven churches why because these are seven churches and yet we that number seven does seem significant because it's from the seven spirits or the sevenfold spirit uh uh, he, uh, we're about wait, to get se seven lampstands, seven churches, seven lampstands. And then also you're going to see, we're going to see that number seven come up dang near constantly. Everything. There's always seven trumpets, seven bowls, seven woes, seven or seven. Uh, no, no, no. The woes are part of the seven. Anyway, you know, but, but there's seven of everything is going to keep coming up again and again. The number seven, such that it's not surprising that if that that some uh, some commentators find that we can divide this whole book into seven places. <laughs> the word, the number seven, he's he's signaling already that this the seven. Pay attention to the numbers, and 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 sure, certainly. The seven churches have to do with the fact that there are these, in fact, seven particular churches. And we've looked at this picture before, but uh, it's good to bring it up again. And uh, 
I'm going to bring back my cursor so that I can share my cursor with you fine people. One second. And capture cursor. All right. So here you've got, I mean, obviously the seven churches that are the seven major cities around this, this kind of cycle. And we talked about in the last episode how this, like many New Testament letters, were cir circular letters meant to be passed along, kind of like, you know, we talked about Laodicea and the Church of Colossae, um, how they had, were supposed to share letters between the two of them. Um, but, but, okay, but you could ask, I mean, would it really take too much more for him to go a little out of the way and include Colossae? <laughs> I mean, would it be that much of a, of a jog over? We know that there was a church there. We know there was a significant church there. Right. Um, why doesn't he add another church into this? Because the number seven is significant. <laughs> because he's looking at seven churches. Because this is saying he is writing it to the full church. And yes, he's going to have important and particular things to say to each individual church. And they are particular to the individual churches. And yet why are we all reading this? Why is this book written? Not just, why isn't it just written to these seven churches? What, why is this, these, these, in fact, we might ask, why would he include these very particular instructions in the middle of this apocalyptic? Well, it's because he's not, we're supposed to be reading their mail because he's speaking to the church as a whole through these individual congregations. There is something that the whole church needs to hear through these congregations. And what Jesus has to say to these congregations will say something important to all of us. And we need to listen. So write this down. This is why it's a blessing to read it and a blessing to hear it. Because this is the spiritual word of God to the churches. And so pay attention. Yeah. So, do you have more to say on that? I'm just gonna pop over back to the to this. No. But then he he names the seven churches, and uh, if you if you go back to the picture, you can go back and look at them. Um, they were all there. He says to Ephe to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia. And to Laodicea. So he is to send this church, send this letter that he's writing down, that he's hearing, that he's going to see to these people. And it is going to have something to say to us who join him and, and our partners and with whom he is a partner in the tribulation. And so... I think, I don't know about you, but I feel like we should pay attention to this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so. And, and just <laughs> how much better is this Jesus for not leaving us without a witness, not leaving mm -hmm. us guessing, not telling us ignorance of the law is no excuse. Get in the paddy wagon. 
um, which is to say eternal damnation. Um, yep. Uh, but, um, but that that he has. Um, so we we've already seen from the beginning of this book that um, that he he made us and then he bought us at an infinite cost and 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 now he he woos us if you will and so I, I brought up I brought up um, uh, when we were in I think this was in verse five talking about a uh, um, uh, how uh, that he both created us and bought us, mm-hmm. um, and I, I referred to uh, that in Hosea, he um, Yahweh calls upon Hosea to to live out this pattern of of he had a wife by rights, and then he he then she she sells herself out into prostitution. He goes down and he's to buy her back out of prostitution, even though he could just say, "This is my wife." She can't be a prostitute. He's supposed mm. to buy her anyway. And then he's supposed to woo her away from her whorings. And 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 this is what and the, the, so, like why why would God put Hosea through all that? Because he's showing us what he goes through for us. Yeah. Not only did he make us first, so we're rightfully his, then he buys us back at infinite cost. That Jason Kinney did not pay, <laughs> um, which is why he has no title to Jesus's church. Um, yeah. So, so he he owned us in the first place. He buys us back at infinite cost, and then, um, and then he woos us to himself, and he he gives us this um, this consistent consistent witness. He. he um, the the image the the Bible uses for how husbands are are to love their wives is that they they wash them with water that that uh, yeah. that there there are some hard things in this book, but its overall effect is supposed to be like a bath yes. that it's mm. it's uh, that it it's a it's supposed to it's supposed to be. Um, it's supposed to be ultimately cleansing and comforting and and lovely all at once, um, mm-hmm. and and so that um, so that we can um, so that so he is he is so good to us that he that he does this for us that he that uh, that he doesn't leave us without a witness but but uh, gives us these. Mm-hmm powerful words that never return void but accomplish what they're sent forth to do um and um and that are that are like balm for our souls um yeah he's so incredible yeah and i think that's you know it's it's interesting as you're describing that hosea i'm seeing the connections and the parallels between that and ephesians 1 where Mm. We are his. He chose us. He elected us. He 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 chose us from and predestined us. We we are his. And then he purchases us with his the blood of his son. And then he 
like you say, he woos us with the calling of the gospel and the spirit speaking through the, the gospel to us. And, and that, um, and that whole process, like, yeah, he could have just chose then enough left us just sort of like guessing who's, who say who's his, who's not. Okay. Um, or we could have, you know, had to do some kind of an eternal purgatory sort of situation to work off our debts. But no, he purchased us with the blood of his own. He, he, we're his, he purchased us by his blood, but then he could have just left us sort of like, you know, okay. So, you know, you're, you're going to eventually be here, but no, he woos us with his word. And that's such a, yeah, that, that is an amazing, uh, phenomenal God is this, this, this God who, who doesn't just like you say, who doesn't just own, but he wants us, he wants to, he doesn't just own us by by virtue of our of of creation and redemption, but he he wants to draw us. He he, I I often uh, um, I I was actually able to preach, um, not this Sunday but last Sunday on the subject of God's word, and I used Psalm one, and I said, you know, one of the things it's like, it doesn't say, okay, so it starts with. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And that's a gradual, the gradual lowering from walking to standing to sitting is supposed to, is not, is really supposed to show us that of identification, gradual identification. You go from just walking in the council. So like you're walking by the wicked and taking his advice. Next, you're standing there getting to know him. Next, you're taking, you're pulling up a chair. And you're one of them. You are in the council of the scoffers. And he says, but the opposite of that is, but his mind is on the law of the Lord. No. His reading practices in the law of the Lord. No. His delight is in the law of the Lord. It's like, his delight. And why wouldn't you delight it? Like, like you think about it. This, these miserable, pathetic balls of dirt had the gall to rebel against the God of the universe who they had no right to exist. And yet he breathed oxygen into their lungs and caused them to, to live these, these balls of ungrateful dirt break his law. And God doesn't immediately say, well, I gave you a chance. I gave you a shot. We're done. All right. I'm just, he doesn't just, destroy them on the spot. He said, you're going to die. So he doesn't just kill them immediately and, and say, all right, enough's enough. I'm going to start over. I'll try it again. But he immediately look at Genesis three immediately after they sin, he makes a promise to save them. Like it's, it's even in the same breath as his cursing them. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you snake and the woman between your seed and his seed, his offspring and your offspring singular. You will bruise his heel and he will crush your head. That is the first statement of what is called the, the proto evangelion, the, the first gospel of what's going to find its fullness in Christ and he starts to, from the minute they screw up. He he keeps speaking to them. He keeps speaking to them. 
Like, like it was just like us ungrateful balls of dirt. Why would God talk to us? And yet he gives us this word. And, and yeah, Revelation can be tricky. The, the book of Revelation can be tricky. I was just talking to a young woman tonight who is actually coming out of uh, a, a uh, dispensational uh fundamentals Baptist background and she's just fine she's just asking questions now of like I don't know what I believe about the book of Revelation and so she was asking for book suggestions uh, to get her started and I didn't want to to, to uh, over corrupt her to my view right away so I gave her some broad ex uh, so instructions places to to study um, and, I, and I did tell her like okay so I mean yeah let's, let's just be real this is a harder book this could be a hard book sometimes and uh, but but like you say the whole point of the book, when you look past the confusing parts, past the controversial parts, past the parts that there's some uh, finagling over who is right and who is wrong, and is the millennium after, before, is it a millennial, premillennial, postmillennial, is it all, like, if you look past that, there's still this constant, even in the midst of it, this constant voice reminding us, you know, okay, so reminding us this is the f Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead the ruler of the kings of the earth he's the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and he made us a kingdom priest to his God and father he's the one who deserves glory and dominion forever and ever he's coming on the clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierced him all tribes will wail on account of him even so amen i am the alpha and the omega who is who was who is to come the almighty like this is this is who god is and even in the midst of this difficult verse or difficult book that has difficult things to say that even when we understand them it's still kind of hard it goes from being difficult in the sense of hard to understand to being difficult in the sense of oof, it's it's hard to live and hard to to hear that we live in this kind of world, and yet in the midst of it, he keeps reminding us, "I am your Christ, I am your God, you are my people," and that's not going to change. Though though the beast may break down your door, though the beast may change your locks throw up walls and gates and arrest your pastors. I will still be your God. You will still be my people. And that's never going to change. Well, and yeah. And, and, and isn't it striking the difference between the way the Lord of glory operates and exercises his, his authority and the way the Kings of the earth do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've been um, I've been um, sharing this week uh, with the, a, a few different people um, because of because of the the constant um, numbers are going up, so it must be you, Rubes's fault. Numbers went down. Thank us. You're you're loving and and beneficent government uh, uh, for for hurting you um, and making the numbers good um, and and, um, uh, and so I've been I've been sharing this satirical poem that um, uh, that uh, Bertolt Brecht 
wrote in, uh, about the uh, the 1953 uh, June 17th uprising in East Germany. Um, and I'll read it real quick. It's very short. It says in English. Um, uh, After the uprising of the 17th of June, the secretary of the writers' union had leaflets distributed on the Stalin, uh, Stalin Alley, stating that the people had forfeited the confidence of the government and could only win it back by increased work quotas. Would it not in that case be simpler for the government to dissolve the people and elect another? And uh, um, and I've, I've I've been sharing it because it has such resonance with uh, the the uh, um, the uh, so for those of you outside of like a Westminster democracy, um, the uh, um, the government can lose the confidence of the house, the, so the elected representatives of the people can can um, can vote no confidence in the government, and the government will fall. And it will cause a new election. The, the the government will dissolve is the term that we use for it, and then we'll elect a new one. And uh, and he's satirically inverting that and saying that the government's attitude is mm -hmm. um, is uh, um, that that the people have lost the people have lost the uh, confidence of the government. It might just be easier to dissolve the people and elect a new one. Um, <laughs> And 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 uh, they uh, they treat us with in when Demos is supposed to be the god of the system, democracy, the god that failed, is supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but they're they're openly disdainful of the Demos <laughs> um, uh, when yeah. uh, uh, when it when it no longer serves them, um, and uh, um, uh, and openly openly disdainful of the people um, from whom they they claim they derive their just powers yeah um, uh, but whereas whereas the Lord of glory <laughs> the ruler over the kings of the earth um, who rightly wields all power in heaven and earth all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me he said at the beginning of that passage that we broke down um, despite it not being something we were supposed to be studying this week earlier, the Great Commission. <laughs> it's a freebie. Uh, we always give a, you more than what you asked for here on absolutely. the Anarchist Bible Study. <laughs> um, and uh, um, the uh, so um, so all authority in heaven and earth um, belongs to him, um, and um, and yet. Uh, he is um, so gracious and long-suffering mm. and forbearing yeah. that 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 we're going to see in this book that the saints these are these are people who sin no longer has a place in them. They are crying out. How long, O oh Lord, are you going to put up with this? Mm -hmm. When are you going? <laughs> when are you going to exercise the authority that is yours? How much forbearance can you have on these people so deserving of your wrath? <sighs> um, it's it's incredible how great and it's and and. Of course, 
if he w- did not have such forbearance, none of us could be saved. Yeah, <laughs> um, that we 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 tend to see ourselves as uh, uh, as trying to trying to be like David or Daniel or or some of these other, but man, we're Rahab. Uh, we're whoring ourselves out and we've got a shot <laughs> to stand with God's people instead. Yeah, it's like, oh my right goodness. Before I, the- yeah, <laughs> it's like famously Matt Chandler uh, took that 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 song, the uh, story of David and Goliath and said, you know, you're not David. Uh, he says, you know, you're you're not David fighting that you're if if you're if we're gonna analogize this story, you're not David fighting against your sin, or against your whatever. Um, you're one of the cowardly Israelites behind them. And I remember there was a moment when I was like, you know what? I don't think he went far enough. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not David. I'm not the Israelites. I'm quite literally the Gentiles. I'm I'm, I'm the enemy. Philistines hiding out behind Goliath. <laughs> I'm one of the enemies. I am one of the ones who is serving this giant Goliath. And Jesus comes up, slays that giant, and instead of killing us all like David did, like we deserve, <laughs> That's right. he takes us. He takes us back and he says, Join my kingdom. Like it's 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 true. Like we we like to imagine that we are like we are the good guys or we I think this is where like I think this is where I get a little frustrated. Part of the reason why I get frustrated when every Jew Gentile story or passage in the New Testament um, ends up being turned by the modern woke or semi woke people into a really this is about racism. No, 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 it's not here. Here's what you need to know. The Jews who said that the Gentiles were dogs and were undeserving of the kingdom were right. Like this is like, okay. Another one, the Jews and the Samaritans. We always are like, see, this is prejudice. The Jews were prejudiced against the Samaritans. No, no, no. Jesus says in John four, they were right. They were right that the Samaritans are dogs undeserving of the bread from the from the table jesus is actually saying when he tells the canaanite woman it is not good to give to the dogs what is for the people he is making a statement about of truth he's not being sarcastic he's not being uh you know winky as some people say he is making a statement of truth that we need to understand otherwise we are not going to understand grace we are the dogs we are the undeserving disgusting wretches the jews when they said that we were undeserving of grace were right and isn't it amazing that we got it anyway right like this is something that i'm constantly telling my youth group because there's songs out there like oh there's this song oh oh you are beautiful you're amazing you are someone worth dying for no no. You're not. Yeah, that's the incredible that's, thing about it. That's the point. <laughs> if you were worth dying for, he wouldn't have had to do it. <laughs> that's right. 
He did it even though you were ugly and disgusting. Like, I love that, 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 that the passages, uh, I think it might be from Hosea, where he does, where, where God opens up the metaphor and he says, or maybe it's uh, Habakkuk? I forget. Okay, it's one of the ages. I don't know. But uh, where... Uh, what it is and I'll maybe know. Where the, he says, he essentially like draws this picture of like you were like a, a, a failed abortion in the middle of of the desert like you were a a a, a baby who was in, in, in like the imagery is almost like a failed abortion like you were that's what you were and you know what i did i took you i took you into my house and i fed you and i raised you and i made you my wife and i made you so i made you my bride and then you whored out against me and so like like the image in that is so visceral and disgusting and it's so important to see exactly who we are before before god uh, how disgusting our state is how how awful we are and how great the grace is because of that like uh it and, and i think that's that's an important thing for us to remember uh that especially in 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 um especially in the light of how the state <laughs> of at the at the same time it tries to cut control us tries to butter us up sometimes of being like you know well you know if you could be if you were smart you'd follow our instructions like the smart people know that that you know what this is this is trust the science trust the experts this is all about like buttering us up and and uh but it's all for the purpose of controlling us and then like you said like this this amazing truth of like the god who looks at us disgusting f miserable awful wretches and he says not only am i going to take you into my house not only are you mine not only am i going to buy you not only am i going to woo you i'm also going to use you to to, I'm going to work through you. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to make you a king in my kingdom. I'm going to make you a ruler in my kingdom. And man, I don't deserve that. But this is, this is why Jesus is the better king. The, the, the better king that, that this, the kings of this earth can't, can't hold a candle to. And, uh, and don't they know it? And that's what drives them crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, any more thoughts? Any last? I I think that's an excellent place to put a pin in it. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I'm I'm about out of words myself. So, <laughs> uh, uh, we're we're gonna next week we're gonna come back and we're gonna try and take a little more, maybe a paragraph. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Who knows? You know, I've, I've pr I don't want to overpromise, uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll tr we're but we are gonna return to. We've heard what the voice said. Now we're gonna see what he sees, and that's gonna be the next uh, the next passage when we come back next week and we take uh, once again take anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. So thanks for joining us. Come back next week, and also oh, also. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, please like and subscribe. This is something that like yes. uh, real uh, real podcasters say 
that I've just not said at all. Uh, <laughs> if you're, if one, you're, uh, one's with, one's with functional producers, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's Randy's fault. Randy should be reminding me of these things. Um, uh, Randy. Uh, but if you are enjoying our content and you're enjoying, um, uh, you, you think that we we're, we're, we're not as, uh, as crazy as you once thought we were. Um, Maybe try, maybe subscribe. If you're, if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, uh, like click the, uh, notification bell. Um, if you are following on Spotify or wherever else we are, uh, <laughs> um, uh, like us review us. I hear, I hear ratings in Apple are helpful. Yeah, rate us, like, a, rate, a, subscribe to us, whatever you do. But if also, if you're listening to us on audio, um, we thank you. But uh, it's better if you can watch us. I'm just saying, like, it's we 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 do put if you're just if you've only been listening, we put the where we about the Greek that gets a lot easier to follow if you can. Look yes, we even put the scripture on the Greek, screen. Even if you don't read Greek, you can at least follow it. And like, oh, yeah. okay, I can see the words they're talking about at the very. Yep, least. yep, yep. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pro- where we are. There's a reason why I, re- I, I release the video on Wednesday and the audio on Friday. Uh, where I, it is a, uh, it, <laughs> it's a conspiracy to shuffle you over to the video, but, uh, but either way, even if, if you, if you really do, uh, if you really prefer the audio, uh, we thank you for listening and, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, yeah. Subscribe rate review anything um and and also this is a big thing we've been saying uh, a lot um leave a comment like leave a comment um if you have a question or you just or something that you realize or something that you re- like if if you want to leave a positive comment that really helps us too that just that it, maybe i don't know about the algorithm i don't know how algorithms work but i know that it makes me feel better <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a question too that you want to ask, uh, let us know either there or uh, send us an email at anarchybiblestudy at gmail.com. Is that right? Anarchist Bible study at gmail. Anarchist Bible study. Oh my goodness. I've heard the name of my own podcast. My goodness. Anarchist <laughs> Bible study at, at, at gmail.com. Uh, leave it, send us an email there or leave us comment on, on YouTube and, and we'll answer it. Um, and also here's the deal. Uh, algorithms are great, but honestly, I don't see our podcast getting very far, uh, on algorithm alone. So if you like it, uh, maybe just go ahead and do that word of mouth thing and tell a friend and say, Hey, uh, if, Hey, uh, you might enjoy this. Um, you know, whether they're not quite anarchist or you, they're anarchist or libertarian, uh, sympathetic. And you think that they might get something out of this or, or maybe they're an anarchist libertarian who are Christian sympathetic and you think they want to get some more out of it. Um, yeah, just, just tell a friend, let them know what we do. And, uh, and, and, uh, yeah, that'd be great. And so, like I said, so that, that was all uh, a big interruption of my uh, conclusion. Um, (laughs) uh, so, but so yeah, like subscribe, rate, tell a friend, leave a comment, send us an email. Um, And we'll see you again next week when we take Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.